Welcome to From the Outside Looking In with your hosts Patrick Bannis and Andy Leoskos. Come on in. Welcome back once again to From the Outside Looking In, a show where we take a constructive look at the male and young ward relationship established by Adam West and uh, who played who played Robin again? Burt Ward. Burt Ward. That is correct. That is correct. And uh, so we talk about the relationship between. Adam West and his young ward. Also, Burt Ward. You see, no, I'm just fucking with you. This is from the outside looking in. The show about everything. The show about nothing. The show about me and Pat and our relationship as male role model and young ward. I don't know. I don't know where I was going. It was like there was something there. I love this echo. Right. So, anyways, I am Andy Liascos. Uh With me, as always, how how weird is that? Right. This echo is weird. With me, as always, <laughs> the uh, the Stanley Kubrick to my Francis Ford Coppola, Mister oh, Patrick Banus. Man, what is going on? Isn't that weird? <laughs> We're in space. We are in space. We are not in studio, but since the first time in a really long time, Pat, we had uh, on the first two episodes, we had uh, Vaz. In right? studio guest. In studio guest Vaz. And then at some point, we did have an in studio guest with Corey and his band, New Western. Oh, ages ago. That was ages ago. Since then, we've had no in-studio guests up until today. Please welcome longtime listener, first-time caller, Sweet Lou, a.k.a. Lucifer, a.k.a. Frenchie, a.k.a. Rand McNally, Lou Giannimus. Hello. Thank you, boys. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, yeah, a long time coming, and I'm just uh, glad to finally be in the studio. A fresh, yeah, a fresh perspective. A fresh perspective. That's right. So what, what's going to happen when we have three people from the outside looking in? What, what could go right? What could go wrong? Uh, we are all not in studio. Lou and I are in studio. We're doing a three-way call. Uh, Lou and I are on earbuds, but there's a shit ton of echo. So it's going to be a little weird, but we'll find our rhythm, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to make this work. As always. Fucking A. So, Lou, welcome to the show, bud. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. No, So Lou is, uh, you know, one of of similar mindset of us, you know, uh, into all the uh, the same movies and comics and shows as us and uh 
We love talking to Lou, and we thought we'd have Lou in on the show. We, we give a big shout to Lou every episode, and now we have Lou in the episode. It's meta. We're, we're now, it's, everything's very meta. Yes. It's that huge crossover event, you know, Secret Wars level event, you know, that people have been building up for years, and now we're finally here. A hundred percent. I couldn't have put it better myself. Some, this is the episode, Someone Has to Die. <laughs> what kind of a crossover event would it be if no one died it's kind of true it'll be good for character development it really will speaking of killing shit yeah speaking go ahead of... oh yeah i don't know if you can hear that as well this time now that you guys are so far away but uh i cracked open a cold, a, uh, a cold can of reptar juice reptar juice yeah, this is uh, 26 Acres Brewing Company from Concord, North Carolina. Uh, their uh, hazy IPA. Ooh, sounds delicious. Flaked oats and wheat give this beer its opaque, hazy appearance and a pleasantly thick mouthfeel. That's what she said. Mm. <laughs> mm. And. Ample amounts of mosaic and citra hops are added in the fermenter to provide the flavor of citrus fruits. The result is a semi-sweet, super juicy, aromatic, hazy IPA. Oh, yeah, bud. Oh, my God. That mouthfeel is going to be so big. It's been Do you think when they're writing these descriptors that, you know, <laughs> that's in the back of their minds? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I really do. Now they're just like, yeah. oh my god, let's just talk about how big it's going to be in your mouth. This beer, barely going to fit in your mouth, bro. How much double entendre can we stuff into this can? <laughs> <laughs> stuff it in, IPA, full of double just, entendres. Just like I stuffed it into her can, see? Yo, see, that's boom. it. Hey -oh. Boom, hey <laughs> I, the show is just really degenerated really quick. <laughs> I forget who it was. Well, you know what the 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 major broadcasting company in uh England is, right? BBC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said the thing. You made him say the thing. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, thanks for stopping by, everybody. Take care, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to an hour of dick and fart jokes. <laughs> yes, thank God. Thank God we finally got here. This is going to be the episode that blows up. They're going to be like, do you hear those dudes talk about dicks and farts for five hours? It's unbelievable. We did say it was going to be the crossover event of the century. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I mean, let's just let's just dial that back. The crossover event of the summer. Let's not go too far. Okay, okay. We won't, we won't, you know, go that far yet. Yeah, let's, let's not the set the, yeah, let's not set the expectations that high. Right, exactly. Let's, uh, I mean, you know, we, we love having you. You're not Pinky Testadero, though. No, not, not certainly, uh, up to that level. That's a Deep Cuts can... Happy Days reference. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Pinky Testadero. Right <laughs> Pat, do you know who Pinky Testadero is? Uh, Pinky, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do, actually. Nice. Lou, what about you? 
You got a pinky testadera? I have heard of the name. That was Fonzie's girlfriend, like later in later episodes, was pinky oh, test- yeah. pinky testadera. Yeah, that yeah. was like season five no, or six uh, or whatever. Okay, so post shark jump. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Nobody's yes, gonna say they... you're not gonna learn anything by listening to this show for sure. So Pat, other than uh big hazy BBC IPAs in your mouth and pinky testadero jumping sharks, what's going on in the world today, bud? Uh Doom. Doom is going on in the world today. Oh. As in as in the DCEU is doomed. <laughs> uh there, uh, there was some change and upheaval at Warner Brothers, uh, and because of that, I, I believe the new head of Warner Brothers, what's his name, like Walter Zaslav or something, I probably got that wrong because I really don't care, Right. but he immediately came in and uh, just took an axe to everything, and so I believe it earlier this week, the live action Batgirl movie that that was canceled. that had that was that had already wrapped up production uh, was was totally shit canned. So yep. apparently the test screenings were so bad that oh, they they didn't want to. So there's two things here. Right. So one is the test screenings were 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 pretty much dog shit. And then the other was the new hierarchy does not want to spend a hundred million dollars on products that are going to go straight to streaming. And that's where this was headed. This was going to be a straight to, uh, what HBO, HBO max. max. HBO max. And so they were like, well, we're not going to do that, but we're, it's also so bad. We can't even release it in the theater. And so they just should canned it. So, um, you know, uh, another opportunity for us to see Michael Keaton as Batman uh is going to go by the wayside such a shame uh you know definitely a shame um and there's a lot of speculation on whether the second attempt at seeing michael keaton at as batman in the flash uh if that's going to go in the tank as well um so that movie's made right yes the movie is the movie's been made um, I don't know where they're at, like in post production or anything like well, that. Well, I thought the thing I thought the thing with the Flash was Ezra Miller's Ezra Miller's grooming kids or whatever. Yeah. So they in addition pushed... to all the other you know crimes he's committed. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, like the police in Vermont are now looking at him, looking for him, not only for just like stealing liquor out of somebody's house weird crimes but also yep. for like running a weird like pseudo groomer cult yep um and so i know that they had pushed back the release date of the flash into next year to kind of see if some of his earlier issues from his arrest in hawaii would blow over but now he just can't stay out of trouble and so even though zaslov discussed this and he kind of heaped praise on the movie during like the new i don't know if it was an earnings call or what you know what that what that interview was but man they are making it very hard to get this project to see the light of day 
And so I, I, you know, I think it's very possible that the two opportunities to us to revisit Michael Keaton as Batman are going to go in the tank. When you think about it, though, like I heard the Flash movie is was actually really good from all the test screenings or whatever. You know what I mean? Cool. Makes sense. But yeah, (laughs) Ezra Miller is such a fucking lunatic. You know what I mean? Like he's he's. Who was the who was the chick from Nexium that was on um oh. uh, Smallville? Um oh man. Ugh, dude, we, we talked gonna... about her on the show. Was, was I... her name like Allison something? It's yeah, um yeah, yeah. Allison I... May. I cannot Allison think Mack? of her name all the time. Allison Mack. Mack. Allison Mack. Boom. Yeah. 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 So, we like, were gonna this is the sex cult. Yes. Yes, the second DC related sex cult. They just cannot stay out of this shit. I know. So and um, so to and then they canceled Legends of Tomorrow, which hasn't been good in a long time, but still, I mean like but Legends well, Tomorrow is gone, right? Most properties, most CW DC properties were canceled. The only two that I can think of that are still in production right now are uh Superman and Lois. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, which they're which they're going through an interesting bizarro story arc right now, which is, you know, interesting enough, whatever. Uh and Stargirl, The Adventures of Stargirl, for some odd reason, that is the last property to survive. I don't understand it, but it it's a thing. So I believe the um, uh season nine of the Flash is is either in production true. now or but I think yes. that's the last season. And they're about to do they're about to do a crossover. Um, they're doing a crossover story arc right now that includes. Um, oh, who is that? Um, is it Starro? I'm trying to think of who. Shit the the original first appearance of the Justice League was like Brave and the Bold, like number twenty some shit. The cover of that the cover of that issue was the villain, who I believe is the villain of this story arc, playing chess with like the Flash, and you know they basically just lifted that and made this crossover out of it for like what what's going on right now. That's it's pretty it's it's on right now. I I don't I'm not watching it currently because who has time for that. Um, mm. But yeah, so that's still on. Um, Bleedingcool.com uh, had a story of uh, a Kevin Smith interview where he copped to um, the two projects that he's involved with, uh, DC Strange Adventures and that new Green Lantern series, possibly both getting the axe. His, his quote was directly, things are not looking good. Um, so it sounds like they're going to gut a whole bunch of stuff right now. And they discussed yeah. having a, a 10 year plan for how to get DC into like MCU some, status. They're going to, yeah, some sort have of MCU like status. Phases. Yeah. Which, uh, you know how much I love. Um, it's, I, I mean, if, if, you know, if Marvel, if Disney Marvel's current trajectory is any indication, this might only be a good thing for like one phase. Maybe yeah, two. but I mean they laid they laid the blueprint because they've made a shit ton of money. 
right? Well, yeah, um, the the first the the first three the first three phases where you have the introductory Avengers arc and then the Infinity War saga, that was really well laid out and it made a a ton of money. Can DC yeah. do the same thing? Probably not. I mean, probably not. They would really just need to just get rid of it. And I think what the CEO is thinking now is just take it down to the studs and hopefully, you know, you can just rebuild it back up with some time. I mean, if they're smart, they, they focus on core characters. They don't disrespect the content, right? Don't, don't disrespect the legacy and the, and the canon. And I guess have actors that don't go insane. Yeah. I mean, that's hard to do, right? Like the, yeah. to predict the future. I heard that the um, the Constantine project has not been canceled, right? What was um, that going to be on? What, how was that going to work? I, that was going to be on HBO Max, I believe. Okay. J.J. Abrams is is attached to that. Ooh. Yeah. He's attached right. to a bunch of projects. I think they're. I, yeah, I think he's attached to a bunch of projects that are eventually leading to Justice League Dark. Uh, like a live action Justice League Dark, live action Justice League Dark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was. I mean, this has been in. This has been in. This has been in production hell for. I mean, we've discussed this before. Like Justice League Dark has been in production hell for years. So if they were ever able to get it off the ground, and it's not going to be Matt Ryan as Constantine. Ooh, all right. And how do you connect it to the larger picture if? Right now, what you have is basically, you know, a scatterbrain of different, you know, canons and different guys just doing their own stories that don't really interject with one another. Well, and the bigger picture, the bigger question for for Justice League Dark is what do you do? You have a Batman, right? Like Batman was the catalyst for a lot of that. Um, especially the um, animated ad- adaptation. So, who, is that Robert Pattinson? Like, or do you just go in another direction, or, or you know, do you consider it a different universe? Right. Like, how do you how do you put that all together? How do you how do you present that? I mean, these you are the kinds of questions that they're going to have to answer. Uh, well, they have. Well, I mean, they have. Oh, you know, there's a possibility they could have two concurrent Batman's now, but. Um, you know, one I, more it fantasy, sounds like, one more grounded. Well, it sounds like ba- it sounds like Ben Affleck's probably out, but you know, there's a there's a possibility that they could make a run at him and try to bring him back into this to try. You know, because what happens if you keep losing all your characters? You know what I mean? Like if so, what do you do? You get rid of all the current actors and actresses, and then you just start all over again, and that becomes your universe. And you just what do we do? Do we retcon everything, or we just how does that? You know, I don't know. So yeah, they got they're creating more questions than they have answers for. Um, so I I continue to marvel at how get it more uh, <laughs> at at how they just have managed to completely shit the bed on this. Right now it's it's been really weird. So I I, I did take a look here. The uh, I, I knew the actor who was. Uh, socially attached to the Constantine show, which is being produced by Bad Robot, so it's not J.J. Abrams directly, but it is his, his production company. company. It is exactly yeah. okay. Um, so uh, 
reported uh, supposedly on board, not confirmed, uh, but is uh, British Nigerian actor Sope Dirasu, right? Um, who has been in uh, Gangs of London, Humans, and I know him from uh, his Dark Materials. He was the so, Halcyon in his yeah. So what does that yeah. mean? We get, we're getting we're getting a we're getting a, a black John Constantine. Correct. Yes. That I'm sure that that'll go over great. I'm sure that I'm sure that the fan base will love that. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it's so hard to say anything, right? Because like I feel like. He could do a good job. I thought that he did a great job in his dark materials. Um, he's British. But, like, you remember when they that made that Keanu? That goes a long Ke- way. It does. When they made that if Keanu you're British, Reeves movie. You're halfway there. Yeah. When they made the Keanu Reeves movie, there were so many people were like, his trench coat's black, his hair's black, and he's American. This movie's fucking stupid. And I was like, it's not I mean, bad. But it, it also was years later, that movie still has so much replayability. Yeah. Well, but it, but we you know now that you see a new, now that you see a different version of a, a, a different Constantine family member in the new Sandman series, people have people are discussing like what is the best presentation of Constantine thus far, and Keanu Reeves isn't it. So no, I, yeah, I I agree, but he wasn't like horrible. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like burn the house down bad, and and Joanna Constantine in Sandman is John Constantine. It's not the historic Joanna Constantine. Um, it, it's John because yeah, they it's the same backstory. It's Newcastle. It's Astra. Right, like it's it's John Constantine's story. But they gender swapped it, which we'll we'll get into Sandman in another episode. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I think DC is DCEU at least, right? I they're going to be doing a lot of soul searching. I guess they canceled the Penguin, which I thought was going to be fantastic because I thought the last Batman movie was really decent. Oh yeah, I we really never even. It. I thought it delivered so much, you know, world building. Yeah, not only not only have we not yet reviewed the Batman, we also never yes. got a chance to then talk about the Penguin show that they were going to do put on hbo max because that is apparently also now canceled so um they are just it's it is a struggle right now with them so maybe next week we'll do the batman yeah i think so yeah right (laughs) this is why i did this is what lou's always like what are you guys reviewing from 1997 this week like this is why it takes us forever to get this stuff (laughs) we watch a ton of stuff and then we get sidetracked I get it. There's so much content to watch right now. Yeah. And it's good that you it's good that you admit to that because it is it is tough. Like there's at least a half a dozen things that I'm trying to watch right now. And it is it is hard to keep up. I mean, I'm about to watch season three of Lock and Key. We've never really I think maybe we did season one as a review. We didn't I'm watching season season two. two. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like halfway show. through season you know, two. It's a great show. Great show. We've never reviewed Stranger Things. Like we watched it. Um, it's there's so much stuff we can we. So we really stay focused on comics and sci-fi because that's all we and got. I believe time the for. third season is the last one. Yeah. So I mean, it's crazy just how much content there is, and we're already at the end of you know series, and here we are. Yeah. 
And we've not, I don't, I don't think we've ever talked about Game of Thrones on this show. Wait, say that again. Do you really want to? Uh, not a, did we ever do a Game of Thrones? No. Episode. No. Oh my God, no. No. Could you imagine if we did? We would have been a really happy show for five years. <laughs> and then like six, seven, eight, we would have been like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Yeah. That 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 Lord Commander Jon Snow. Your your John <laughs> Your uh your Doctor Strange review from last episode has elicited such a strong response that it landed Sweet Lou on the couch. Next to you, yeah, that's, like, that's true. The hate sh- and vitriol running through Andy that episode just gave I me an shudder. energy that just you know kept me going that entire day. <laughs> I shudder to think what would happen if we actually went through season six of Game of Thrones. Like, who would materialize in studio next? Oh yeah, I mean, it, I, I would have morphed into something horrible. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I would have been like, fuck everything that's ever been made. Yeah, exactly. But, so speaking of things we love and hate and hate to love and love to hate or do all the stuff, um, I think it's time we talked about a little bit of movies, books, movies, comics, books and stuff, graphic novels, a track player. Remix! So the point of this episode is to discuss... And uh, so, like I said, we talk a lot about comic book movies, superhero movies, uh, and sci-fi, especially or specifically the world of Star Wars, which means so much to all of us. And today we are finally getting around to discussing the latest Disney Plus Star Wars show, Andor. No, but we did find out Andor has 12 episodes in season one today. Uh, But (laughs) we are here to talk about (laughs) review Kenobi. Everybody agree with that statement? True story, yeah. We're here. Hello there. Yeah. Uh, So, (laughs) allegedly, and Mm -hmm. Sweet Lou, I think we, I had to to pump the brakes on our text thread last week when we started talking about this. Um, This this is a, what was this, uh, six or eight episode series on Disney Plus? Six. 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 it was originally pitched as a trilogy of of feature films. So, yeah. uh, in an er- interview with with the direct, whatever the hell that is, it's probably some movie. Th- I don't know. Um, one of the writers, yeah, exactly. One of the writers, Stuart Beatty, revealed that uh, he didn't actually collaborate with the production team, but was responsible for writing a screenplay for the first of three planned films. At the time, everybody was on board with this. Disney was on board with this. Uh, Ewan McGregor was on board with this. Everybody loved this idea. Um, and then, I guess, uh, the executive producer, Joby Harold came in, took the scripts, and then turned it from, you know, turned that first, I guess, first movie, uh, they took it from two hours into six hours. And he... You know, he just got credit. He, but he didn't work with them at all. So allegedly, the the there were grander plans for this than a six episode miniseries. So are are you saying 
the six episode arc that we saw was originally going to be a single movie. Yes. The original allegedly, allegedly. Interesting. Yeah. So pretty, I mean, you know, and one wonders as we go into this review, like where all the filler and fluff came in, right? Like what gets us from two hours out to six? Right. Food for thought. And I, I feel like I feel like a two hour movie probably would have been too short, two and a half, maybe, you know, would have would have been good. Um because I don't feel like I don't feel every episode was an hour. Right? So like it wasn't six hours of content. It was probably at the end of the day four and a half. Yeah, yeah it was about thirty five, forty five minutes. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Because I, I know, like, there would be some episodes where I was like, why is this 30 minutes long? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Moon Knight was like that, too. Like, why give me a 22-minute episode? Right? Like, merge two episodes together and just have five. But. Need something for you to come back next week. Yeah, yeah. So, the story of uh, Obi-Wan focuses, um, what what is it, nine years or Ten, nine years after the events of Revenge of the Sith. So that would be four or five years before the events of Rebels. Uh, yeah, roughly about, I think it was, what, 13 BBY? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that's about, four, yeah, that's four years before the events of Rebels. Well, how old was Luke at, yeah, because Luke was 19 at the begin of, beginning of New Hope. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, uh, I think, what, 22 years? Yeah, right. Something like that. So, yeah, nine years after Revenge of the Sith. Then you got four years, you got Rebels, and then almost directly after that, you have a New Hope. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So that's our timeline. Nine years after uh, Revenge of the Sith, we have Obi-Wan living on Tatooine uh, as a hermit, basically. Um, and, Pat, you're really good at, at remembering how every episode sort of begins. So oh boy. Do, we start, <laughs> do we start in episode one with... We don't start with Obi-Wan. We start with the Inquisitors, don't we? Uh, I don't know. I think that we do start with Obi-Wan first. They, they, you know, it's that, it's that kind of typical day for him working at whatever weird processing yeah, plant he's at. Pattern, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They just show that, you know, we start with his, like his pattern of the most isolated and desolate day a human being could probably have. Yeah, um, right. And then he's he, working at some meat processing plant right i mean right. that's what it is right like they're, yeah like, yeah they're cutting up crate dragon or whatever it is yeah right and so after his day um then we cut to uh the town where the inquisitors are there looking for a jedi not obi-wan but apparently another jedi right right Just uh, rando jedi on tatooine yeah yeah and this is where we first meet the co-main character of this show for some odd reason um uh inquisitor reva yes who is who is a a a hot-headed ill-tempered um 
impatient Inquisitor. But we also get to see the Grand Inquisitor, who looks dope as hell. For live action, yeah, like I think it would have been cooler to have him a little bit closer to the comic, but I mean, for all things considered... Passable. I was fine with it. I was fine with the Grand Inquisitor. I wish we would have seen more of him. I forget yeah, what the I, name of the actor is who played him, but his fucking voice is great. His great, oh yeah, he was, his voice was and his feel was good for the Inquisitor. Right, he definitely played a different type of Inquisitor than the one in the cartoons, but he, you know, certainly made the role his own. Yeah, yeah. So this is we where, them, uh, yeah, this is where Riva is like the Grand Inquisitor is explaining. Why, how to hunt Jedi. Jedi, uh, you know, will always follow compassion, yada, yada, and that's their weakness, yada, yada. And then, you know, Reva's like, basically, fuck all this. I'm just going to throw a knife at somebody, and the Jedi's obviously going to use the Force to stop it, right? So that's, what, like, what she does, and that's what happens, because, sure, why not? And uh, then a fight ensues. Yeah. Uh, this sets a weird tone for me. You know what I mean? Like, because, like, first of all, we're going to talk about how the show does a lot of good things. The show does a lot of weird things. But one of the weird things that it does is it automatically sets up this weird thing with Reva. First of all, she's not any form of sister. Like, she's not the third sister, is she? I don't know what they, they call her. She like, is. They never call her. No, well, she, she is it, a sister. Yeah, she is the third sister in this. She's the third sister? Okay. Correct. All right, so at least that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, but, like, she gets really, like, lippy and not caring about the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, she really doesn't uh, follow that kind of military protocol that you would think would exist within such a highly structured, you know, dark side kind of troops that they got going on there. You know, she yeah. really just kind of uh, mouths off, questions their motives, uh, just does whatever she kind of wants to. Really, like a lone wolf. Yeah, she's not. She's not waiting her turn. Let's say. Yes, I agree. And boys, I'm going to try something here. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. Dear audience members, so- you may hear a little banging, but I'm going to try to separate Lou and I so we get less. Echo, and it might be yeah. easier for us all to talk here. So, I yeah, think I this think is a good decision. I think we start with you start with Riva, and she, you see her as this impulsive, reckless character. And I think that that is something she has to overcome this series for some odd reason. And we find out later why, but this is, you know. This character is incredibly confusing for me as far as like how this how she is portrayed and plays out throughout the series. So, yeah, she's really an ill-defined character. She doesn't really, you know, have motivations other than to kind of almost serve the story to like progress it from point A to B to C. And a lot of her decision making and a lot of what you would think, like, you know, whether you're light side, dark side, regardless, you know, you would think that they have some sort of base logic to, you know, why they do what they do and, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves storyline wise, but what you often kind of, you know, see with her is that she either knows information 
that she shouldn't otherwise know to advance the plot or, you know, she's acting out pretty much against, you know, what you would think uh, someone of that kind of nature, you know, like we said, it's a very militaristic, you know, hierarchy. And then she kind of being the third sister, you figure she's not on the lowest end of the totem pole, but she's not on the highest but still, you know, she's kind of doing rookie mistakes. Yeah, but this is the impulsiveness thing, right? Like, this is her character. But And you also see, like, there is, like, we do learn over the course of this series that she does have motivations. It's just incredibly, uh, it's incredibly weird how she goes about, you know, getting to that goal, right? Like, she has a motivation, and we learn this later. How she, how you see her portrayed as she goes to this goal is incredibly confusing. But nevertheless, it's not only confusing. She, it's it's also like it's it's dumb luck. You, you know what I mean? So like uh, like you, we'll we'll get to her goals right, and like I mean it. it I will agree that in some facet this may have been a weakness of an otherwise unflawed story. So, <laughs> so this, yeah. this one small part where one of the main character's motivations doesn't make any sense may have been a little bit of a, a hiccup. Uh, well, so. in, in the, in the beginning, especially in this first episode, she's, her motivation is she's, she is like desperate to track down Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. And Which, I don't know that we know why necessarily, but it's a thing. Right. And I don't know, to be honest, not to jump ahead, I don't know if we ever really know why we kind of get a thing, but it's kind of a dumb reason or a dumb excuse, right? Why she's why uh, she's looking for Kenobi? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if I re- I don't know if I recall It's very contrived. Yeah. Like yeah. I I don't know if I recall what that motivation is once we get past that and get to more towards her real motivation. Like she has several what? motivations here. Like one is to be the Grand Inquisitor. Another one is to is to track down Kenobi. And then the third one we we get to later on in the series. And then it's like, well, I don't understand how these things all. How are these? None of these align. Right. So, well, l- let's just talk about it. We don't we don't have to. You know what I mean? There's 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 no need to keep uh, yeah, limb your right. time here, right? So you know, like her motivations of being the Grand Inquisitor and all of that is primarily to be able to get closer to Vader because as we learn throughout the series as the series progresses right it is she was a youngling at the temple during order 66 and and Vader right the newly christened Lord Vader uh you know slaughtered all the younglings there including running a lightsaber uh through her through Reva uh, we'll get right. to that, right? So, so she is, uh, you know, eventually as any surviving uh, force sensitive and and former Jedi uh, is basically turned into an Inquisitor. Uh, now, now the Grand Inquisitor, the fifth brother, and I don't think the numbering necessarily has anything to do in a hierarchy, right? Because the fifth brother is is from a force the standpoint very strong. Always confused me. I yeah I I don't get it either because the fifth brother's stronger and said he was in next in line over her so it doesn't make any sense to me so who knows right yeah um, 
But so her her deep secret motivation is that she wants to get close as close as possible and as strong as possible to kill Vader. Her hunting of Obi-Wan is, you know, primarily uh, because Obi-Wan trained Vader, right? But also Obi-Wan left the message, uh, you know, saying that the temple had fallen and, and for all Jedi to stay away. So all the Jedi and all the younglings that were in the temple, you know, Obi-Wan were basically a- gave the order to fuck them, they're dead. Even abandon when, them, yeah. necessarily, they weren't, yeah, it was, it was abandoned shit, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, so that's that's the character's main motivation. The problem, which I don't necessarily have an issue with, the problem is how does she know Obi Wan's alive? Yeah, there's a couple of things I don't I, I, I about her motive. So, late, on the back half of this episode, they are they're looking for this other Jedi. What is it, Nari? Nari. He's another Jedi, right? And yeah, that's the one on Tatooine, right? Yeah, that's the one on Tatooine. Yeah. So, yeah. so Nari Nari tracks down Obi Wan Kenobi and is like, "Hey, I need your help." And Kenobi's like, "This is this is the story arc for Obi Wan." He's like, "He's like, I, I'm not. I, that's not my thing. I'm, you know, he his his failure weighs on him. Like the failure of, you know, not of of seeing his Padawan go to the dark side weighs on him heavily, and he's like, I can't right. do it." And and uh, you know, and Obi Wan is is convinced that he killed Vader on Mustafar. Right. right at this yeah, point true. so like not not only not only did you know his padawan and his best friend right and anakin turn to the dark side he was left with the decision of having to kill him which by right. the way the during these early you know episodes the ptsd that you know ewan mcgregor kind of you know uh is exhibiting um well done on his part you know he really kind of leans into that and you know just the little mannerisms and things like that. You could really tell he's a broken man and, uh, you know, kudos to, to him, you know, with the material, you know, he could tell that he genuinely was, uh, into, you know, playing the character again. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they do a lot of this, a lot of this telling through flashbacks to like their time together. Right. And then also the, you know, their saber fight when he thinks that he kills him. Um, yeah, but this is the, the, so the next confusing thing arrives, right? Um, Reva hires a bounty hunter. Uh, she hires the red hot chili peppers to <laughs> kidnap. Hey, Flea crushed it. Flea crushed it. All right. Like say, say what you want, say what you want, but Flea as an actor, I haven't seen Flea in anything since the big Lebowski. He does a great job in playing, you know, uh, crazy killers that you hire to kidnap yeah. people. Because that's so, exactly he, he played. He definitely he had Back Space to the Future vibes going on again. <laughs> he played Space Big Lebowski. That's who he played. He was a space so, nihilist. He he gets hired to kidnap Princess Leia Organa from yeah, Alderaan space needles. in hopes, right? In 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 hopes of luring out Ben Kenobi. How does she know this again? Because I don't know if I caught that. Did I miss something? She says at one point that she was going over the archives at the Jedi Temple, and uh-huh. in the temple, you know, she saw that there was a connection between Obi-Wan and uh, um, Bail Organa, and that's kind of where she started surveilling Bail Organa to, I guess, see what type of, you know, moves he was making and stuff like that. 
Yeah. All which right. Which is which is odd because, like, I I know that Bail Organa obviously had a relationship with Yoda, had a relationship with the Jedi Council in general as a a senator in the Republic, right? Right. But like, I never really saw like a re- like he he knows where Obi Wan is. He knows where Yoda is. But I don't see how you would be able to track that he has a close relationship with these two Jedi. Yeah, right. based, yeah, based on the events it, of the based on the, the events prequels. of those first prequels, you you don't get it, that sense really. Right. But the prequels doesn't cover what everybody does in their off time. And like Obi-Wan and Bale could have been like in a cornhole league, space cornhole. We don't know. Could have happened. You know, so, you know, fair enough. It was in the archives. So, so as we get to the end of first episode, um, after he, after Kenobi rejects Nari's, you know, to help him, he later gets found in the middle of town hung. So this weighs on, this weighs on Kenobi. And then he gets a visit from Bail Organa. He says, you know, Leia's been kidnapped. I need your help. And he's like, I can't do that. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Then, but he's talked into it. Right. And so that's the first episode. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an interaction between Owen Lars and Obi-Wan that we miss, right? Where like, you know, Obi-Wan wants to give, uh, you know, Luke, the, oh, I want to give him a toy. Yeah, the toy. The toy that we actually see him playing with in New Hope, by the way, which is fucking rad, right? So Yeah, it's a good callback. Yeah. And you know, but like so there's there's uh, you know, basically, you know, Obi-Wan seeing Owen, right? And, you know, basically wanting to know how Luke is. And Owen's like, you don't care how Luke is. You just want to know if his powers are starting to show yet. And Obi-Wan's like, you know, he has to be trained. You know what I mean? And he's like, what, like you trained his father? Burn, right? To the face. Um, yeah. There's also there's also an interaction between uh, Reva and Owen Lars, right? Um, yeah, she's, she's looking for information. For the, yeah, when she's hunting for the Jedi, right? Like, she's like... They they hung some randos too. Like it's not just the Jedi that they hung. Like I think they, hit, oh, yeah, they hung yeah. like some randos in the town too. Like you know because that's how the Inquisitors roll. Um, Any sympathizers? So like, yeah, right. So like you know she was like, you know whatever you know, trying to intimidate Owen, and there was something about Owen. I don't know why there was something about Owen, but there was something about Owen because you know because he's you know because he's. Because uh, he's got that look. Whatever, it makes sense because it's Star Wars, all right? Just shut up. All right, fine. <laughs> space wizards. Yeah, space, space MacGuffins. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, uh, there's, uh, yeah, there's it's space wizards with laser swords. There's got to be a, a level of suspension of disbelief, right? So Yeah. But yes, so we this wrap episode, up episode one. You know, certainly uh, calls for a lot of disbelief. A suspension of disbelief, my friend. A yeah. suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Uh, so we've we've established the key players. Um, we we've I don't think we we've yet to see Vader at, at this point. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. So episode two, uh, episode two is where Flea gets do, you know no does Flea kidnap uh, Leia in episode one or episode two? The episode end of one. episode one. Okay. Yeah. So at the Bale end of episode one, we we want in episode two. At the at the end of episode one, we get the corniest. What should be essentially the Benny Hill theme 
of like a, an eight-year-old outrunning like four adult humans. Like just was, all kinds of shenanigans. It's that a ten-year-old the... running like a three-year-old. Yeah, oh, seriously, this is a... incredibly slow. It was one of the best action sequences ever put to film. <laughs> it, is, it is. It is it's... absolutely fantastic. <laughs> you guys are. This is this poor little actress went out there and she ran her ass off. It is not Mirror's Edge. It is not a film based on parkour. She's running through the woods. Again, yeah, you know I mean, like she ran through the woods. It happened. This was like one of the things, like when when Lou was sending me, you know, like uh, you know, like uh, why Obi Wan was blah blah or whatever. He sent me like it was like it was this. It was a nine year old girl that looks like she's eight that runs like she's four, and I'm like, who cares? The yeah, you know I mean, like I didn't get into this show the show for the, for the, for the running, right? <laughs> Like, it's that's not, not so much. It's not so much that what it is to me, and you know, this is something that's almost a carryover from something like Book of, of Boba Fett when they have you know those nineteen uh, fifties uh, speeders. Oh my god! You know, you just see it's almost like a, a just a lack of of general speed. You know, I think up until this point, you know, you know, we've seen Luke. Uh, on Tatooine, you know, with his little land speeder, you know, you, you see the general speed that something like that can go, you know, you see people run and then, you know, when you see these kind of people running almost in quicksand, it's such a, you know, juxtaposition that it's hard to, you know, suspend your disbelief because they've established over, you know, 45 years now, you know, what it looks like when someone runs in this universe and, in these, you know, last two shows, again, not to, to make this about Book of Boba Fett, is it's is it like a, a soundstage issue? Is it the actor's issue? You know, what is it? I think there's an element, of, of, especially with the kids, right? Like, you know, like you can't put them in the same perils that you could in 1981. Yeah, I mean, like there's 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 just different rules. So like they're probably like, all right, we're gonna need her to run down and then slide down this hill. And they're like, she's probably gonna have to uh uh walk down the hill. So but yeah. Agreed. We are uh we're we're running child labor laws. Yeah. Yeah, child labor laws. But so again, whatever. Let's move on to the next piece of the show, yeah. right? So, so we get we get to we get to episode two, and he tracks the kidnappers to this planet Dayu, and he yeah. he he you know while he's looking for information, he encounters this con man, um, who is played by whatever that guy's name is. Uh, yeah, I don't he's, know what his name is, but he's uh, he's uh, he's fresh um, off of uh, fresh off of the failure that is the Eternals. Um, yeah, I, so I don't even know him as that, right? Like, so again, like that's you know that's that's, I I, I didn't even watch the channels. I'm not gonna lie, like I was just like fuck that shit. Neither did I. Uh, <laughs> even though like some uh, you guys didn't miss it. much. Yeah, I was I was not in, but I love that movie he was in with Batista and Silicon Valley is fucking that that show is one of the best shows on TV. So, uh, um, yeah, great comedic actor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So he he uh he directs Kenobi to he figure he he kind of guides Kobe to where Kenobi to where Princess Leia would be at. And so Kenobi goes and after a little bit of shenanigans he is able to rescue her. Yep. So this is where and they're Dio like is a is a pretty badass planet. We've never seen it before. A lot right. of blade blade runner vibes in Dio. 
Yeah, true. So, yeah, dark, rainy-ish, lots of neon. Definitely um, a place I'd like to see explored more. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a cool planet. Uh, and, and, and also, even though we've been set on Tatooine a few times, I do like the way that they shot Tatooine. It was, it, it, everything looked uh, really nice, which is one of the gripes I had about Boba Fett. But, uh, you know, moving again on yeah. away from Boba Fett. Uh, so far, I'm in on the cinematography for uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, so the Inquisitors find out that he's on Dayu, and they lock down the city. And instead of, once again, instead of listening, instead of obeying orders, Reva puts a bounty out on Kenobi, like, planet-wide. And right. so, to draw people's attention. Um, so, Leia freaks out when she finds out about and she runs. And so she she makes it up to a rooftop, she jumps off the rooftop. We've got to do some, you know, we got to do some action sequences. There's um, some parkour, parkour going on again. Hardcore parkour. We got to do some we got to do some parkour, 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 parkour but then Kenobi Kenobi has to, Kenobi has to dust off the force to save which Leia has, from falling down. Which he hasn't used in 10 years, right? Correct. And like some people were like, "What? cuz cuz the force and it's explained in the extended universe, right? The force is like a muscle. If you do not use a muscle, you will start to lose that muscle. So right. the force that's is why like there's that. there's all the training. If you, and he's not doing any training, he's just working in a meat packing plant. Yeah, he's not meditating. He's not doing. Right. The only thing he's doing is whining that uh, that Qui Gon has not showed himself to him. Yeah. And like, yeah. Why aren't you only, talking to me? Yeah. And he's not trying to reach out with the force. He's not doing anything with the force. He's not using it at all. He's not training that muscle. He's not meditating it. Like when Yoda's on Dagobah, he's still, you know what I mean? He's still practicing and learning and trying to become a better Jedi, basically. Yeah. So well, also, I mean, Yoda had to do that because, you know, not to get too much deep in the lore, but, you know, Dagobah was a dark side nexus. So, yes, you know, being that that was kind of the case, he had to constantly, you know, practice uh, the light side of the force. Otherwise, he would probably have been consumed by the darkness of that planet. Yeah, exactly. Whereas... Uh Obi-Wan was not. Obi-Wan's on Tatooine. Worst thing about Tatooine is it's such a harsh planet. It ages you quicker than on other planets, right? So, yeah. but we get, uh, we get finally uh, Leia falls when she's doing parkour because she's not good at running or parkour. We've established that, right? True. Uh, so, so Yeah. So she falls uh, and Obi-Wan finally reaches out with the force. He takes all of his might, but he does catch her before she hits the ground. I thought that was a great scene. Fuck everybody else who uh, like whatever. He finally like him embracing the force and using it was a very cool thing for me uh, because it is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. So they reunite. Um, The uh, the guy from Silicon Valley, he wants to be a good guy now. Right. Like real good guy, not a pretend Jedi, but like, you know, what can I do to help? kind of, you know, gets them basically passage on on a freighter, right? Uh, so as they're going to that, of course, it's, you know, the only place that both, like, the third sister and the Grand Inquisitor are both there, right? Yeah. So uh, during some of this initial conflict, Reva reveals to Kenobi 
that Anakin is still alive. Yes. He's alive. He's Darth Vader. Uh, yeah, the and Grand this, Inquisitor this shows after, up. Yeah. Wait, does does she reveal that Vader's alive after, before the Grand Inquisitor shows up or after before. the Grand Inquisitor? Okay, before. Yeah, before. Okay. Yeah, so they're having this, you know, this tete-a-tete, and then the Grand Inquisitor shows up to, you know, like, all right, it's time to, it's time to, you know, I'm going to arrest him myself. And then Reaver runs him through. While yeah. she's, while she's stabbing, while she's getting stabby with the Grand Inquisitor, Kenobi and Leia escape. Yep. Um, you know, at the end, we see, uh, we see Anakin waking up in his, in a back to tank. So there's, there's more to, more than just Anakin waking up in, in the back to tank, right? Like, so Obi-Wan is tapped into the force. He's used it to, um, save leia right reva tells him that that so what you really see is is you see obi-wan reaching out with the force to find anakin right they have a very strong connection in the force they're like brothers they can sense each other this is something that uh um is is also discussed in a new hope so he reaches out to the force through the force to try to find Anakin and Anakin feels that that's why he's in the back to tank and his eyes pop open. And that's why Obi-Wan also feels that. And you can see he's physically shook from that reality. Right. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's a good ending to the second episode. Right. And then in the third episode, so in the beginning of the third episode, we get to see Vader. And so we get to see Vader telling Reva, you got it, you know, you find Kenobi and I'll make you the Grand Inquisitor Uh, if she, you know, if you succeed. Right. So this is, you know, oh, this is great. Uh, Kenobi and Leia get to uh, Mapuzo. It's like a mining planet. Yes. Um, And this is like this is that kind of like desolate planet. So they're out in the sunlight all day, you know, walking around. They get it. They get help from uh, they get they, they hitch a ride on a transport. Um, which is, you know, interesting, right? Uh, they're discovered by Imperial troops. Uh, they get help from, they randomly, like right when they're about to get like offed, one of the Imperial officers like shoots up a bunch of, um, troops, right? Stormtroopers. Yeah. And She's, you know, this, and, you know, she reveals herself to be Tyla, who's a member of, like, an underground network, who's been moving people around, like, moving dissidents or rebels or whatever you want to call it, um, people that are hunted by the Empire around. So she takes them to this underground passageway. Um, Before they can escape, Vader and the Inquisitors arrive. An interesting part of that that, you know, kind of gets overlooked is while they're on that transport, that individual who was, you know, driving the transport was, you know, just a regular citizen. So it's kind of interesting to see um, in this galaxy, you know, now that they're in, you know, you do have people that are you know, sympathizers, you know, right. with the, you know, uh, you know, with the dark side, you know, with... The empire, the empire, you know, yeah. you know that you know they go about their lives, but they're loyal now 
in you know i guess how many years that have passed nine ten years so it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition to kind of see that yeah so this is so this is where we get into like the next i don't know iffy part of the of the show for me right so um they start trying to lure out kenobi he sends you know tala and and leia through the tunnels to get out and then he goes out to confront leia, uh, vader and vader like roughs him up and like you know i i forget what i forget what something spill like a barrel of something spills in the ground it gets caught on fire and we learn like vader can't operate through fire like whatever he's like oh it's, well, there's fire i can't do this thing whatever i was gonna no, do no 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 <laughs> that that is not at all what happened did you watch the show or like that is the dumbest thing so, yeah that's yes so, that's definitely not what happened right that is not at all what happened so yeah. what happens is there is a lightsaber battle that ensues between obi-wan the weak and one of the obi-wan weakest is- lightsaber battles well, because Obi-Wan, again, right? Like, imagine you haven't gotten up off the bed in 10 years, and then, like, you have to go and fight Muhammad Ali. It's not going to be pretty, right? Like, regardless of how good you used to be, right? Like, let's say, like, I used to wrestle in high school, right? Like, and I was a decent high school wrestler. If I had to today get up and wrestle Brock Lesnar, I would get fucking mauled, right? Like, it would be... Terrible. Not saying it would be any better in high school, right? But at least I, I would have, I, I would have shot a double. I haven't shot a double leg or sprawled in thirty plus years, right? So like, so it, it is, a, it is a weak lightsaber battle. But again, because using not a to mention a dark is, one. Yeah, right. And and using cinematography, not the best here. Thank you, Lou. Uh, but using a lightsaber isn't just sword fighting. You have to be able to use the force in order to use a lightsaber or else you're going to cut your fucking leg off or your arm or your head or whatever. Right. So, but one of the things is, is Vader sets that fire. Vader creates that fire for a very specific purpose. And that is to drag Obi-Wan through the fire, to burn him in the same way that Obi-Wan. Oh, like he did. Yeah. All right. On, on yeah. Mustafar. So it is not random. It is not something that Vader can't go through fire. Later on, um, the the Imperial officer whose name I can't remember, the actress I can't remember. Again, she was in Game of Thrones. She was Game of uh, Thrones uh, actress. That's all I could think of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alora uh, uh, San, uh, fucking Oberon's uh, paramour, right? Uh, she is up in a high position with a high-powered sniper rifle picking them off and also has clear shots at Vader. So they don't advance on Obi-Wan, right, because she does have the high ground, right, and she does have a sniper position over that. So it's not just that he can't walk through fire. There is a tactical reason why they do not pursue him. And there are other barrels of this explosive shit. So it's not one single sniper, but it's still it's 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 yeah, not so, advantageous for them to. So pursue we're doing everyone. we're doing Revenge of the Sith throwbacks. Hell yeah, you do throwbacks all yeah. the time. Yeah, he's, he's got the high ground. That's going to weigh on, on Vader's mind, too. Yeah. That's but that that loss to Obi Wan right is going to weigh on Vader's mind and and we see that throughout the entire series and also when you go further into uh, not just Legends but Canon there's a, there's you know a whole thing where 
where the Emperor has basically berated Vader for years because he lost to Obi-Wan, right? Uh, which which nobody thought was was even a possibility, uh, including uh, Palpatine. Also, deep cuts in this episode. Uh, there's a corn horn reference uh, that's actually in the previous episode. And uh, as 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 Obi Wan is looking through everybody who's been through the uh, tunnels, uh, he sees Quinlan Voss's name. Uh, so big shouts outs to corn uh, horn, who is awesome in Legends, and Quinlan Voss, who obviously appears in the Clone Wars and is also an awesome. Which would have been great to have seen him in live action. Oh, and the live action Quinlan Voss, uh, which we we only got to see in what uh, Revenge and uh, not Revenge of the Sith, but uh, Phantom Menace. He was in Phantom Menace, and then obviously he was in a few episodes of Clone Wars. But yeah. great character and um, someone who I think is long overdue for you know a live yeah. action uh, role. I really am hoping that he's either in Andor or uh, in the Ahsoka show because I think you know the fan base is just going to love him. Right, exactly. So, but that wraps up uh, episode three, right? Like uh, Obi Wan gets away with uh, Laura San and her robot, Tala, and Tala and her robot, Tala, Tala, yes, yeah. and her robot, and uh, 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 but Leia does not escape. Leia gets taken by Reva because while Reva, Vader yeah. is hunting Obi Wan, uh, Reva kills the person that Leia was going to meet, uh, and and she's like, yeah, I'm the one you're supposed to meet. Uh, so she captures uh, uh, Leia, and now we go to episode four, where she's going to interrogate Leia and find out so much about her. Uh, the coolest thing for me in this episode is we get to see uh, the Inquisitorius or the 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 castle of the Inquisitors. The Fortress Inquisitorius. Fortress great Inquisitorius. Name. Oh, it's so great! It's so cool to see it too. Like in, in like like they did a really good job on this one too, right? So like. Yes, in the last episode, the lightsaber scene was very dark. It was very hard to see. Fortress Inquisitorius was fucking awesome. Great use of uh, the CGI budget right there on that episode. Oh yeah, for sure. So, uh, so, so in that, so episode- they get to, they get to the fortress right, and they have to split up. And Tala's like trying to find what is is Tala trying to find where she is, or where or what was Tala doing? Like just running distraction? I forget. <coughs> Oh yeah, she yeah, tried to yeah. goes to like wherever that mainframe is, uh, you know, whatever a few floors down, so that you know she can gain access to I guess whatever level she's on, which is kind of like yeah. another callback to a new hope. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yep. Right, we got to split up. Yeah, we got to split up and do the thing. So while he's while he's. While Kenobi's searching around for Leia, he stumbles upon this trophy vault. And he just walks slowly through this trophy vault through all of these preserved corpses of, like, Jedi who had been, like, captured and or and killed. It's too bad, like, none of them are, like, recognizable. It would have been probably cooler if there was, like, something. I don't know if you guys recognize any of them, but... Yeah, there's more deep cuts. Re- yeah, they, yeah, they were super deep cuts. The, the one dude... Um, from Clone Wars was uh, I I forget what his name is. He's he's an older Jedi Master that uses a white blade inside a cane. Like he goes out with a soak. Like he goes out with a soak on like a not mission Plo, once. Uh, Plo Kloon, is it? No, no, not Plo Kloon. Um, he's 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 an older. He's a much 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 older Jedi Master, and because Plo Kloon didn't use a white 
lightsaber. He used the yellow one, and it, and it wasn't kept inside a wooden cane. She was like investigating something, and he, like he was helping her. And he'd be like, "Slow down, young one." And they were on a train. Oh um, yeah, but, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So he's in there, which was cool. And there is something that looks like somebody wearing like a, a poncho, which c- could have been Quinlan Boss, but it wasn't probably. And uh, there was somebody else I can't remember, but oh, the one little boy from uh, uh, the opening scene of the show in the temple, right? And we also so they also have so not only do they keep these these like full corpse trophies, which is odd, right? Uh, the Inquisitors are definitely like serial killers. There's also trophies all around their like their meeting room of of uh, you know lightsabers from the fallen Jedi's and and training right. helmets. Uh, uh, of the Padawans and things like that. So Fortress Inquisitorius, super cool. Yeah, so they do manage to rescue Leia. Um, Talos' cover gets blown in some conversation, I think, with Reva. Which, can um, we talk about how terrible the way that they actually rescued her was? Oh, yeah, please do. Wait, are you t- are you talking about when they get her out of uh, Forges Inquisitorius? Because because before yes, that as, happens, as there's a... there's a scene where they're escaping, and then we we really get to see Obi Wan use the Force for the first time, uh, with, with with the water, right? Like that was a great scene, right? But so okay, yes, they're escaping. Pat, you also had issue with this. I think this is one of the greatest uh, things ever put to cinema. Uh, ever put the film <laughs> so they need to they need to escape and and so like i understand the criticism here right i don't understand like what they would do to make it better right because they've really written themselves here's, into a corner here right here's here's my take on it just real quickly so you're in that position right and you're looking around hey what can you know what can we do just off the top of my head a lot of droids have space Small child, you could put, you know, the child in the droid. Duffel bags. Um, oftentimes <laughs> Duffel you see, bags. A, <laughs> oftentimes you see a lot of these, you know, troopers moving, you know, bins and 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 things. You know, you couldn't have just thrown her, you know, in one of these bins and you know, started moving it along. I mean, that's just well, off the top of my head. Ha- Maybe they didn't have time to go to the baggage claim and get a large enough suitcase, right? And I don't know if you've ever seen Rugrats, but if you get, like, three babies in a trench coat on top of yep. each other and it's a long enough trench coat, it looks like a person. It looks like yeah. a person. <laughs> so, has anyone ever seen Bojack we Horseman? <laughs> yes, yeah. of course. Yes, it, it reminds me of the child from Bojack Horseman. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it in in that documentary, and I've seen it in that documentary about the kids that live together called Rugrats. And I know that this works in real life. I've also <laughs> seen it happen in in multiple episodes of The Simpsons. So you can you can hide a child in a trench coat. So yes, that happened. Okay, I understand. Uh, <laughs> for whatever yeah. reason, <laughs> this is problematic for the two of you, but it was fine for me. <laughs> Then, uh, there's, then already, two, there's already uh, so many issues. Let's not delve on that. Two, uh, two of these, I, I know what they're calling, we're, we're going to call these these kind of rebels or smugglers or whatever. Um, I think two of them show up in ships. 
and yeah, provide some also some the cover. T forty four speeders. They're the snow speeders that were on Hall. Snow speeders. Fucking, right. Let's fucking go. Okay. Right. Super cool. Yeah, definitely cool. Um, you know, so there's like a little bit of loss because one of them doesn't make it out. You know, alive. Um, but Obi Wan and Leia, they escape, and 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 Tala, they all escape. Right. Good yes. for them. Right. Yep. Um, you know, it is what it is, right? Um, Vader, uh, Vader shows up, he's pissed and he's about to kill Reva when she tells him that she attached a tracker to the ship. And so he like spares her. So he put a tracker in the droid in her little droid toy. Yeah. Um in Leia in Leia's droid. Yeah. So this is also a little weird later on, but I think it's probably the next episode. But yeah, there's for now, there's a tracker in the droid. Right. right? Uh so and that's have... that's the that's the end of episode four. Yep, and now we go into episode five and so these are the last two episodes. Here we go. Vader's obsessed. His the ship that they're on can stay just out of range of Vader's Star Destroyer but it's going to run out of fuel eventually, right? Like the, the hyperdrive doesn't work, so they can't go to hyperdrive. Um, so they're trying to fix it, hope against hope, right? Like you have a bunch of, of whatever, right? Like a bunch of uh, 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 passengers from that underground railroad of theirs, right? You have Obi-Wan, you have Leia, you have all the leaders that would eventually form, like, basically the rebellion, right? Ice Cube uh, Jr. Yep, yep. Uh, and so, you know, Obi-Wan basically uh, gets it in his head. I, I feel like, how did we, how did we miss... How do we miss when they're in the bunker? How do we get to the bunker? What do you mean? So what happens is if you remember, uh, Obi-Wan takes a, um, escape vessel and ends up, you know, going in another direction. And then they end up taking that Imperial, uh, starship. And instead of, you know, going after the rebels, they go after Obi-Wan. Right. No, I, I know that, right? Like, I remember that. So, like, you know, basically Obi-Wan knows that Vader will follow him, right? And, like, the Inquisitor is like, we can stop the entire, you know, everybody that's against the Empire. We can stop any possible rebellion before it even starts by chasing the ship and destroying it. And Vader's like, no, after Obi-Wan, right? I don't remember how Obi-Wan escapes the Star Destroyer, though. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. He shows up he shows up at like their facility, but I don't recall how he how he manages to, you know, outmaneuver them and, and then get to the facility. But but also it almost doesn't matter because they all show up right after him. So Yeah, no, they, he, yeah, he, yeah. They all wind up at the same place, but how does how does Obi Wan escape the Star Destroyer? Like he's not I'm gonna look that up. You boys discuss. Yeah, that that's yeah. not really coming to mind at the moment. Uh which you would think would be, you know, Amongst three people, that that would be more of a momentous uh, thing. But, yeah, it's kind of one of the problems with the story is that 
there's just so many like little things that are either glossed over or you know aren't giving the breathing room versus other things that should have been quickly you know just swept to the side or are given time to breathe it's it's a really kind of frustrating thing with the overall story you know not to to summarize it since you know we're still yet to do that but just one of the yeah. uh more questionable parts so so yeah. he gets so so kenobi gets back to this f facility and this is where this is where the tracker gets weird uh all of a sudden her little weird companion droid um turns heel yeah, so, yeah there's, the, a the, the, there's a heel turn there's there's a heel turn as evidenced by so, the ominous red light the 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 change in eye color, right? The change in light color of of the the droid's eyes. Um, he turns heel. So whatever was whatever kind of a tracker it is, it's a hell of a tracker. So the little companion droid goes off and messes up the bay doors or whatever we're calling those. Those those you know whatever yeah, yeah, that yeah, whatever the, those the doors are. Doors. Yeah. Doors, so yeah. it I think it what is it? It locks them closed. It, it, I think it locks them closed. So they can't, yeah. they can't so they escape, can't take right? Off. They can't take off. Right. So they're, they're, you know, they're stalling for time. Leia goes through the tunnels to try to find out what's going on because she's small and can fit into these spaces, um, which is fine, whatever. And Obi-Wan stalls by negotiating with Reva and figures out and i how this how this happens i have no idea necessarily but he figures out that she was she knows who vader is because she saw anakin slaughtering all the young ones and so she this is where she reveals her motivations she's like you know i want to i want to i want to gain you know his 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 favor cuz i want to kill him because for revenge, which is weird that to gain, you know, to gain her, you know, to gain favor of Darth Vader, she's been all over the galaxy killing other men and women and children. So it's an odd way to, you know, if you're if you were a youngling, it's an odd way to somehow get your revenge by being a henchman and killing a bunch of innocent people on the way to cozy up to Darth Vader. Yeah, right. But I digress. Um, the facility gets breached. They 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 get through. I don't even think they. I think they don't even blast open the door. I think Reva cuts it open with her lightsaber. Yeah, and, yeah. She cuts. She cuts the lo the locks for sure. Yeah. Right? So the well, she so, cuts so the locks they, after they have the conversation. Right, right. He's he's Obi Wan's head is basically up against the blast doors, and they're having this conversation. And then she like runs her lightsaber through like right near his head. And this is where she, they they cut open the doors and come in. Tala Tala sacrifices herself. Her and her droid fight a bunch. She gets shot, and she um, sets off uh you know one of thermal those grenades. Detonator. A, a thermal yeah, detonator. Thermal detonator. Thermal detonator. Don't call it a grenade. It's a thermal yeah. detonator. It's space grenades. Space and grenades. Uh, space grenades um so she sacrifices herself uh but kenobi also they also realize like they're not going to get out of this right like at the moment we've got no way out so kenobi sacrifice so kenobi like turns himself in basically and they're having he you know this is where they have another they have another conversation 
Reva and Kenobi. And he's talking her into killing Vader. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you really close to Vader because you're gonna give me to Vader and then you can kill Vader, right? Um, so you know, then while this is going on, Leia figures out her droid is, you know, jacked up, fixes her droid, they open the the escape doors, they they escape in the you know, they open the doors and they start to um they try to escape, right? This is yes. where this is where I, I forget which happens first. I think they I think she, I think he is they escape first when the ship lifts off and Vader uses the force to which is pretty I mean it's actually probably pretty consistent, right? Like he uses the force to hold to like he hold this ship out of you know getting into hold, orbit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not only consistent. Yeah, I mean you, you see. Oh yeah, Star definitely. Do it. Yeah, I mean. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a, a callback to Force Unleashed. Yeah, yeah, which was awesome. Yeah, so you I see mean, Starkiller uh, do this in the Force Unleashed, and yeah, you, you, Jedi. The seen, Jedi have done the Jedi have done wild stuff with their Force powers all throughout canon, right? Yes. So he like he like takes this ship, slams it back down to the ground, rips the rips like the door off. While Rips he's doing the hall this, open like he would have fucked yeah. up everybody. Oh yeah, which was awesome. Yeah, you know I mean. So while he's doing this, a second ship lifts off and takes off. Yeah, it's like, all right. Well, I can understand. You know, like he's probably a little tired from having just, you know, drug this ship down back down to Earth and tearing the you know tearing the side of the ship open. He's probably a little too tired to like you know, capture this one too. So he, you know, he's pissed. Um, Reva tries to kill Vader. And it does not go well. It does it not does go not, well. It goes about as well as you expect it would go for like an and impulsive. This, this fight scene is one of my favorites of all time because Vader just fucking plays with her. And oh, she yeah. She's going all out. He doesn't so draw his blade at all. Oh, it's yeah. so great. It's so OP Vader. Like, he doesn't draw his blade at all. He uses the force to just fucking stop her blade. The only time he even has a lightsaber is when he takes her her double-sided blade, breaks it in half. And yep. great callback here or great throwback or whatever is when when he grabs her lightsaber and he breaks it in half and he goes to two blades, the stance that he takes holding two blades is the Ray same Park. stance that... Ahsoka. Has. Oh, it's Ahsoka. Oh, it's Ahsoka. She's, oh, I didn't catch Padawan. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 awesome. So when he's holding two blades, when Darth Vader's holding two blades, it's the same stance that Ahsoka fights in, which is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. So right? Darth Maul had a double sided. Um, he had a double sided uh, saber, but did he ever wield them individually? No. That was my first no. thought, but I, uh, yeah, that, that now that I think about it, I don't think he ever wielded them individually. No, he, yeah, his 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 double sided saber staff was wasn't able to break apart. Right. Uh, okay. Ventress, she ha- fought with two blades that could join together, but she hardly ever joined them together. Right. Um, and the only person that ever really that I remember outside of Ahsoka fighting with, with two blades would be Sidious himself in the Clone Wars. He always fought with two blades. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he runs her through. The Grand Inquisitor shows up to reaffirm that 
I'm the Grand Inquisitor. So this is where we first see. So not only does not only does the the Grand Inquisitor survive a lightsaber stabbing, Reva gets theoretically lightsaber stabbed for the second time by for Anakin. The second time, once once as a child and now as an adult, which and, yeah. which further proves that unless your name is Qui Gon Jinn, you do not die. You know, from a lightsaber to the chest. So, so uh, well, what, what happened with what happened with Obi Wan? Cases and... it was to the gut in both cases, and Puans, which is the species that uh, uh, the Grand Inquisitor is, they do have two stomachs, so it is possible to survive. And we do see, like Fennec Shan, you know. Obviously, take a bla- a high beam blaster bolt to the gut, and she does have to be modified. And we don't know if the Inquisitor ha- has been modified. Clearly, Reva hasn't, and clearly, Qui Gon died. So, in those two points, a hundred percent right. But like the Grand Inquisitor, I will let it go because it wouldn't be necessarily outside of canon to survive something like that, and also right. it isn't outside of the Sith to to be mutilated and and augmented by uh robotics in in the exact same way that vader is they've embraced they've embraced moving up to uh you know the next level of humanity that's being being a cyborg so they're 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 down so uh reva's left for dead and as everyone is getting away and leaving yes but we didn't talk about one one of my favorite scenes in this entire show is is as all this is going as as they are bombarding the fortress right in in waiting to break in we're seeing this this thing play out this chess match between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan and how well they know each other and how they're going to react and what they're going to do and it and it goes back to a shared flashback or shared memory that they're having which is uh, them uh, sparring with lightsabers, right? In the Jedi Back Temple. When An- yeah, at the Jedi Temple, in the circle, when Anakin is still a Padawan, before he's uh, faced his trials and before he's become a uh, Jedi Knight. Yeah, um, a very so- old, a very old-looking uh, yeah, so Anakin a, a in flashback. A 45-year-old. All right. Yeah. All right, so, I mean... Th- th- Time does exist, right? Like Hayden Christensen <laughs> is, is not 19 anymore. Like, yeah, like this is, un, un, yeah, this is unfortunate, but this is a real thing, right? Like there is, you know, time does move forward. They de-aged him as as much as possible without it probably looking like really ridiculous. Uh, right. For some reason, it worked really well with o- Obi-Wan. The years have not been as kind to Hayden Christensen as they have to uh, Ewan McGregor, but it was still uh, it was still great to see those two interact together as Obi Wan and Anakin, right? And also, I think this is the way you tell this is the way this is the way you tell a story in flashbacks as it's concurrently happening. And having an effect on the story that's happening in real time, as opposed to the Book of Boba Fett, where they did entire episodes of back to tank flashbacks that weren't really having any bearing on what Boba Fett was doing right now. It was just like, this is what happened to Boba Fett. This is why he knows how to fight with a stick. 
right? But well, it also it also I mean, I think I think some of his flashbacks to being with the Sand People helped it it changed the way that he acted, right? Like more merciful, more you know what I mean. Like I, I think it was that, it was there for yeah it was there for character development for sure. Yeah, which, I mean it's, yeah. I don't want to I don't want to say it didn't serve a purpose. I mean it definitely sh- it definitely shows how he changed his motivations from then until the present. You know what I mean? Right. No, for sure. Flashbacks always can serve a purpose, right? But this was an example in how to execute a flashback scene without doing just an entire first half of the episode as a flashback. This right. Is right. Cutting it in, cutting what's going on in with the flashback so that it, it, that it works in a timeline, right? That that's like, Oh yeah. I mean, and what's, what's nice about this one is it's a shared flashback or shared memory between these two characters. Right. Sure. Definitely one of the better scenes. So, Oh yeah. At the, at the very end, everybody leaves this planet and Reva is, you know, abandoned, but while (coughs) she's there, she manages to find, uh, ben Kenobi's transmitter, where she's where she hears a message from Bail Organa about Luke Skywalker being on Tatooine. Yeah. So that's how we end episode five. We we're, we're yep. clearly setting up for a season finale on Tatooine. Yes. So Reva goes to Tatooine. This is the beginning of uh, of the final episode. Reva Reva is on Tatooine looking for Luke. Uh, the Empire is chasing these rebels. Uh, yeah. Kenobi splits with a fatal wound, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. we don't. We she's... never. We never discuss this, but she's apparently been she's been stabbed for the second time, yes. and she manages to get a ship, fly to Tatooine. And threaten the whole family, you know, threaten, you know, Owen and, and, and Luke and all this stuff. And she's been run through and this all happens immediately. So she's just nursing a gut wound the whole time, I guess. Right. And I'm like, I, I get it. Like, I get it, guys. I do for sure. <laughs> right. But I'm going to point out Darth Maul was cut literally in half. Right. And survived. Vader was was you know his legs cut off you know thrown into to you know what I mean thrown into a, a lava lake and and survived I know Obi Wan uh, or Qui Gon died right like definitely sucks right Obi Wan uh, was hit by a lightsaber in in his shoulder and just turned to dust and it went to gangrene right like it was just, yeah yeah but you know again in within canon and within the way that this universe works right like dark side users are able to sustain their life through the dark side of the force right that's why like that's why they're all disfigured looking most of the time right but like i mean like darth nile like he existed without a body he was just a disembodied spirit so not that Reva, as an inquisitor is nearly as powerful as as a dark lord of the sith right but there is some element of maybe she could survive. It doesn't explain what happened to her when she was a Padawan. But, uh, yeah. So, like, let's just say her hatred kept her alive. And now she's got a new hatred. Like, I can't kill Anakin Skywalker. I'm going to kill his son. Because for some reason, Bail Organa left a, 
a Bail, Bail Organa left a voicemail for Obi-Wan. It was like, hey, don't tell anybody, but you know Darth Vader's kid that's on Tatooine? <laughs> is that all good? Or, like, what, whatever his, like, whatever his secret message was to, like, okay, not the best, not the best. Uh, for a guy trying there. his hardest to uh, keep a secret, he uh, doesn't do a good job there. Right. Yeah, maybe, yeah, like, maybe don't leave that on a public voicemail, but that's what he yeah. did, and then so, like, now she's got a purpose, and her hatred's gonna keep her alive, and she goes to Tatooine, and, uh, yeah, Owen and uh, Baru are like, well, you know, we need to make, you know, Baru's like, let's call the cops, he's like, we can't call the cops, are you fucking are you kidding me? But, so they get their guns, and they hide Luke, and they're gonna make this grandstand, uh, meanwhile, uh, Obi-Wan, you know, once again decides to to go off and and he's gonna face Vader for the final time. So this sets up our two climactic end scenes, right? The final Obi Wan versus Darth Vader. Uh, you know, Obi Wan committed to to one of us is not gonna survive this, right? And uh, Eva is is going in for at least some form of revenge. She's gonna go kill the son that. Uh, Darth Vader doesn't know he has. I'll show him. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so proceed, if you will. Oh, no. So we, we you know, Kenobi dips out and helps the rebels escape by dipping out to uh, just a, whatever, whatever the nearest planet is. Right. And so Vader follows him there. This is where we have a much better fight scene. And this oh, is where, it's a like, great fights. This yeah. is a the, great fight scene. Yeah, the, so the this was the montage. price of admission. Oh, for sure, and and the training scene, the the the, the young Obi Wan and, and Anakin scene. That fight scene was fucking great too. The Vader versus Reva scene also not bad. Uh, Vader obviously way overpowered her, but it was still it was still well choreographed. I love the the fight choreogra- choreography in this final fight scene though. It's so good. Yeah, so it's it's you know, and this is where, this is where those flashbacks are re, you know really super helpful to the story, right? To the, to the storytelling, and this is also where like Stella gets her groove back, right? Like Obi Wan like fully gets the Force back, like after you know after a little bit, like he has to kind of turn the tide in this fight and and get all of his Force you know his full connection to the Force back, but he does. And then he and then he, he he opens a can of whoop ass on Vader, um, smashes up his helmet and his chest plate and everything, and then you 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 get that wheezy, you know, you know, you get that wheezy Vader again. But this is also where we see that, you know, Anakin is Anakin his is is not Anakin anymore. He is he's gone. A hundred percent. He is a hundred percent Darth Vader. He's completely yeah. gone. Um, and so this is this is where. You know, this is kind of like Kenobi. It's like Kenobi murders Anakin a second time. You know what I mean? Like the first time he's been living like the last decade thinking that he like physically killed him. Now that he realizes he's still alive, he's it's still not even him. So he's not dead. He's alive, but he's still not Anakin. Anakin's been dead. And it wasn't Obi-Wan that killed him. It was Darth Vader killed Anakin. He killed all right. that was good. Yeah, that that line, you know, where he basically absolves him of the guilt, you know, unwittingly, 
but you know frames it in a way that you know takes that that power and in a very kind of sith way you know says you know you had no control over killing me i killed me you know i did this i am yeah you know well, the said, master he, of my yeah, own said, you know you know my own destiny he, well, he said you you didn't kill anakin skywalker i did right right um, but that doesn't change it doesn't change ultimately the way that kenobi takes this right like it's still well, incredibly it does, sad and, and it's resolution still incredibly sad yeah, it, it it but it does it 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 it, it is resolution. It's also it it also absolves him of that guilt of killing Anakin, right? And the other thing that that Vader says in this, which is really important, and also this fight scene is really cool because you do see Obi Wan when we meet Obi Wan in, in a, a New Hope, which is our first time meeting him, we meet this sort of grandmaster right and what we do what we finally do see is 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 obi-wan kind of take that mantle of grandmaster um so you know when when we see vader meet obi-wan again you know the last time we met you know i was but a learner and you were a master meaning that he you know vader is a learner in the dark force and obi-wan did get to this level of grandmaster uh jedi right because uh, we see his fucking force powers and fighting with it's really great because you see you see obi-wan touch his emotions which is something that jedis don't do jedis stay very stoic sith touch their emotion it's their hate and their passion that drive them and that's why sith often seem more powerful unless you're like an avatar of the light like Yoda, right? And if you go with all the midi-chlorian counts and all that other stuff, Obi-Wan had a very low midi-chlorian count compared to other Jedi in the Order, right? Certainly not anywhere near Yoda or Anakin, right? Um, so uh, we see Obi-Wan, you know, have all these feelings, these feelings of compassion and things like that, which he's able to touch and become this Grand Master Jedi. Yeah, I mean, one question I have is, I mean, you know, you're talking about vader absolving obi-wan of 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 guilt but doesn't isn't obi-wan absolved of the guilt of killing um anakin when they realize anakin's alive no because how much how much how much more guilt is he carrying after he realizes he's alive then he feels like he abandoned his friend and then made no attempt to save him you know what i mean like he that's a whole new we have a whole new guilt yeah, because well, even I, I, at the I, point where, you know, he said, you know, I have the high ground, don't do it, you know, and he then ends up, you know, chopping him down, you know, and then he says, you know, I hate you and all this other stuff, you know, as he's in that, like, anguish being burned, you know, he still could have done something, you know, sure, it would have been probably fruitless, but, you know, he still had that that option that he didn't take. So, you know, I, I could see where he would feel that guilt. And yeah, and I, there's also a part of a part of this conversation where, you know, Vader says something and Obi-Wan, you could see, you know, you and McGregor portraying Obi-Wan, right? Like have the realization that like Darth Vader, that darkness was always present in Anakin and he and he hit it. Right. And, and, and nobody in the order knew except for maybe Yoda. Right. But like Obi-Wan wasn't privy to the fact that Anakin slaughtered a room full of sand, you know, a, a, an entire village of Tuscan Raiders over his mother. Right. Like 
Like that, like Yoda felt that through the force, but never said anything and, and never, you know, nobody ever brought it up. Nobody ever told Obi-Wan. So these elements that were always there of Anakin, of, of Darth Vader within Anakin Skywalker is, is something that, that Vader alludes to in this final conversation between them as well. Right. Like I was always there, you know, I mean, I'm the one that killed Anakin, not you. And that that's something that Obi-Wan comes to the realization is, is Darth Vader had been there. Right. And by the time we see Obi-Wan talking to Luke in Empire Strike Back, right. He's like, he's more machine now than man. There's nothing worth saving. Right. Everything up until this point, right. Like Obi-Wan had to deal with, thinking that he had killed his his best friend his brother you know 10 years ago and that he failed in in saving or redeeming him that there was something in Darth Vader of Anakin Skywalker that's that's worth saving by the end of this Obi-Wan comes to the realization that there is nothing of Anakin there is there is no redemption for Darth Vader there is no saving for Darth Vader which is why he just leaves and says goodbye Darth Right. Like so like that's the absolute. So even though he knows he's alive, now he feels still kind of bad because he's like, I didn't save my friend. But by the end of this, he realizes his there is he doesn't his friend is dead and there is no saving what's left. Yeah, which is kind of a nice way to tie into a new hope. And, you know, the inflection in his voice when he says, you know, kind of shrugging it off you know he's more you know machine now than man like you know this whoever he was is irrelevant because he's a machine now like you know he's not a a heart you know he's not you know you know he's not a breathing man he's just a a tool right and it ties into the whole like you know what i told you is true from a certain point of view because darth vader did kill anakin skywalker and all that so it, it it ties it up uh, just because, you know, to keep us here on time a little bit, we have gone longer than we normally do, right? This is a fucking long episode. Sorry, everybody. Uh, Reva doesn't kill Luke. She fucking has a change of mind. Obi-Wan fucking after beating Darth Vader, he fucking flies halfway through the galaxy in two minutes, right? He's got a super fast ship, everybody. Uh, so to basically try to save Luke, but Reva changes his mind, doesn't kill him. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Obi-Wan finally uh meets uh luke because owen's like you want to meet him he gives him a hello there uh and then as obi-wan's riding further into the desert away from the owens farm and into the dune sea that's when he finally sees the forest coast of qui-gon who says i've always been here you just haven't been ready to see me meaning that he hasn't touched force yada 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 grandmaster obi-wan meets again with qui-gon Finn. L. Yeah. Finn. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, kind of a kind of a kind of an unsatisfying story arc, a character arc for Riva, a much more satisfying character arc for <coughs> Obi Wan, and and you know obviously Ewan McGregor is pretty fantastic in this, all around. Yeah. And but, is, is, so, I mean, the, the the story arc, the character arcs for both Obi-Wan and Vader, in my opinion, are great because we do get a, a, a post show or post credit scene of uh, uh, 
uh, Ian. Oh, whatever, it's uh, the the emperor. As, yeah, as Emperor Palpatine, right? And you know, Vader, he's he's at Vader's castle in Mustafar, and you know, Vader's like, I'm gonna don't worry, I'm gonna scour the galaxy, I'm gonna get this motherfucker. Don't even worry about it. And then the Emperor's like, I I wonder if our feelings are 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 clear on this, Lord Vader, meaning, you know. Obi-Wan in the grand scheme of things to the Emperor means absolutely nothing. And right. if if Vader is going to give himself to the dark side and give himself to the Emperor and to the Empire, right, his former master shouldn't mean anything to him. Whether he's alive or dead shouldn't mean anything to him. And that's right. what Vader comes to the conclusion. And for him as a character, this is when you finally see, really, I think him taking the mantle of dark Lord of the Sith and realizing that the Sith, the dark side and the empire mean more to him than his own vengeance, revenge and ego to defeat Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, yeah, remember like we just, you know, you know, we just went through this about how Anakin is, is, is dead. Well, if Anakin's dead, then all of his, petty grievances or revenge or what that has to die yes. too. And right. so that's, that's what we get here. And his need to be the best, which we've seen from him as a, uh, all the way back from Padawan, not even in the flashback scenes, but going all the way back to the clone wars when he's talking to Padme and he's like, but in some ways, in a lot of ways, I'm actually stronger than Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Like he says that to Padme when they're on Naboo in attack of the clones, Right. Um, so there is this sort of aspect of Anakin Skywalker who wants to prove to his, his brother, to his almost father figure in Obi-Wan that he is stronger than him. You know, he finally lets that go and he's able to be Darth Vader, at least for a time until Luke saves him. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, let's, 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 uh, let's wrap it up with the ratings boys. Where you at? I'm obviously on a scale of one to ten. Go ahead, Pat. Oh yeah, you're on eleven. So let's just, uh, I mean, you know, six and a half is you know it's pretty pretty much the average for this show. Um, Ewan McGregor's great. John Williams is back in the fold with with great music. Um, some of the visuals are really really excellent, right? Like the the the, the uh, Inquisitorious, you know whatever we're calling that, I forget. Fortress um, Inquisitorious. Fortress Inquisitorious, yeah, um, is good. Um, the shoehorning of Reva into this as a pseudo co-main character is um, a, a little bit, um, a little too contrived for me. Um, it, yeah. It's, it's, it, it just doesn't work. Um, and some of the Leia stuff, you know, interacting with, a person she's allegedly never met once you get to like Star Wars. Um, yeah, you know, whatever. But but yeah, all in all, you know, it's good enough. There are some there was some bad, there was some good. But yeah. That's fair enough. Lucifer. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a six out of ten for me. And you know, the reason why it's a six out of ten, and it goes back to, you know, our text conversation was, you know, it's a it's six episodes that should have been two hours. And you know, even if you say, okay, it needed to be, you know, six hours or, you know, six episodes to justify his existence, you know, my rebuttal is 
really did it need to, you know, exist? Because at the end of the day, all these characters, you know, really don't go through much growth. I mean, they kind of are what they are. You know, where they were in the beginning is pretty much where they're at in the end. You know, they're 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 more or less the same people. So, you know, it kind of goes back to, you know, a lot of the, the Disney Star Wars content is, you know, just, you know, weak writing, you know, character motivations. Why do these people need to to be, you know, shown on the screen? It, it just kind of, it's just wildly inconsistent. And, uh, you know, I would for that reason, I, I, I give that rating. Yeah, no, I, I would disagree with at least some of it, right? Because, like... I think there are major changes for Obi-Wan. There are major changes for Darth. There are major changes for, or major change, major character development, acceptance, and growth for Leia. And there is a major uh, character change for Reva as, you know, she sort of has some sort of redemption at the end. Is it great in all of that aspects? You know, not the, not the Reva aspect of it too much, but I feel like they had to keep that in there. Otherwise, the show would have been so good, it would have probably been a religion, right? So, like, because of that, right, because of those those shacklings, this is probably a 12 out of 10. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely say that that as far as, as character growth goes, you know, there there is a different – there's definitely a, a starting point and a finishing point that are different for, for Obi-Wan, for Darth Vader, uh, for Leia, and even for Reva uh, from – episode one uh to episode six of the show even uh you could include owen in that uh characters that didn't change you know probably the grand inquisitor uh you know all the other members of the inquisitorius could have been expanded upon but that never happened there's a lot of things that were amiss and probably could have been cooler to see uh, uh as opposed to some of the parkour that wasn't great right uh, some of the, you know, some of the flaws of The Last Jedi, right? Which is like space chases. Like nobody needs a space chase. Like that, is, that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, you can resolve that in two minutes, show it off screen. It doesn't matter. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of stuff that could have been there. But again, I mean, the show overall for just the 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 interactions of Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen, uh, that, who both literally crushed it in this, uh yeah yeah that's that's worth it for me a hundred percent but i do believe that is all the time we have for today kids so thanks for stopping by thanks for hanging out special thanks to Rand mcnally loose for sweet lou for stopping by and hanging out with us uh while we jibber jabber and uh remember kids you know this is the way peace, peace.